Welcome to the CondoVultures.com podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski, a Miami real estate broker, Wall Street consultant, and expert witness. This podcast is focused on identifying real estate buying opportunities in the South Florida condo market, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. The CondoVultures.com podcast is not authorized by the South Florida real estate industry and will most likely annoy many of the region's talking heads. This podcast will feature straight talk and salty language that could be offensive to some. Please remember that part that past investment success does not determine future gains, especially in the South Florida's volatile condo market. For more information, please visit condovultures.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zaluski. I'm your host. This is episode number 23 in our podcast series, podcast series that we began back in April. It's part of the podcast series, what we've morphed into, and we're still trying to figure things out, but what we've morphed into is that we do a Tuesday roundtable. We bring together a bunch of former journalists or current journalists and possibly some business leaders, and we talk about the biggest headlines that have occurred within the last week, and we give you some perspective uh, as to what's important and why it's important. A lot of information flying around, and sometimes some of it gets lost. Sometimes uh, some of it seems like it's a big deal, but it might not necessarily uh, be a big deal as it comes to real estate investing in Miami, as well as the whole Tri-County, South Florida area. So that's what this podcast is. It's a round table. We also do a guest interview every Thursday. So Tuesday's round table discussion. Thursday is a um, guest interview. So just so you kind of have that in your um, uh, on your calendar. Anyways, for this particular round table, and it's called the Miami Real Estate and Economic Roundtable. Uh, this particular roundtable, we have myself, we have Oscar Musabai, he's a former uh, real estate reporter, now is in public relations. We have John Fackler, former uh, reporter about white collar crime as well as publicly traded companies based in South Florida. He's now in public relations. And then we have a new addition uh, to our panelist stable, if you will. His name is Jean Gruss. Jean used to be a reporter, did it for north of 25 years, worked everywhere from Panama to the Tampa, Panama um, City in uh, Florida to uh, Tampa, the Tampa area. He also worked in Southwest Florida, and now he's been over in the Miami area. He owns a piece of property here, is uh, actively involved, and he's got a bunch of clients that are working out of this way. So he's given us sort of that, uh, that Florida-wide uh, perspective. And he's also originally from France, so we get a little bit of a European take on certain issues. So we're going to be kicking around six-story uh, headlines, have everything to do with uh, what's going on in the housing market to the coronavirus, to uh, just some of the general issues that are uh, in play right now. And they go beyond just uh, the economy. You also have the, all the social unrest that's, uh, that's currently underway. So we get in a little bit of discussion on that. We're also going to have a prediction phase. Uh, all four panelists are making a prediction, uh, things for you to watch for as we go forward. And then finally, we have some comments. Um, some of the audience members have submitted comments. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting discussion. I would encourage you, if you are interested in making a comment, uh, you want to make a suggestion, you want to make a criticism, a recommendation, uh, you name it, we want to hear about it. Uh, if you write in, we'll uh, discuss it on the podcast and, um, you know, we'll uh, try to make it interesting. So to send, a, send an email uh, for the podcast, send it to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So fasten that seatbelt, sit back, uh, get ready to laugh, get ready to uh, potentially yell, 
um, at some of the comments that are made. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it'll be a, a worthwhile use of uh, about an hour of your time. We appreciate you listening to us. And if you want to sign up so you get uh, notified every single time that uh, one of our podcasts is uploaded, uh, we're on basically all the different uh, uh, venues uh, where you listen to your podcasts, including most recently we were ap- uh, added to Apple Podcasts. So again, fasten that seatbelt, sit back, and um, enjoy. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of greater downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome to Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I am your host. This is the Miami Real Estate and Economic Roundtable. It's a weekly uh, discussion by current and former journalists kicking around the biggest headlines that have occurred in the last week. Why are we doing it? We're doing it to basically to give you some perspective, the audience, as to what we think is the most important uh, news that's sort of occurring on the street here. Some of us will disagree, but uh, it's always interesting. It's uh, timely, and there's some interesting insight. So who we have this particular week is we have Oscar Musabai, Oscar the former uh, business reporter, worked at a number of publications in South Florida, also spent some time out in Los Angeles. Right now he's a partner in a public relations marketing firm called Influence Communication. Mr. Musabai. What's going on? How's it, how's it, <laughs> let's go take it easy too much dale. cuban too much cuban coffee it sounds like to, to quote peter zaluski dale dale let's that's go. right and then we 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 also have another uh, former journalist this gentleman used to write about white collar crime he also wrote about public and traded companies that were based in south florida uh and for a tidbit he worked in a boiler room in his early days when he's up in long island new york that's john fackler how's it going john doing great salutations nice nice thank you and then um, we're going to introduce a brand new member of our panel. Uh, as mentioned, when we began these roundtables, we said we would have a rotating journalist or former journalist come on here just to sort of bring some um, lively conversation to these, uh, these other two deadbeats who are uh, John and Oscar that are on the line. <laughs> so, so who we have this week is we have a journalist, spent 25 years in the industry, worked all around Florida, has been living in Miami for the last two to three years. This is John Gruse. Of Groose Communications. How you doing, John? Oh, I'm doing great, Peter. Thank, thanks for letting me be part of your unauthorized podcast. Listen, <laughs> you, you were going to be a nice addition because you're going to bring some culture <laughs> along with myself to this podcast. Originally, <laughs> originally born in France, and you've been living all around the state of Florida. Why, why don't you tell the audience um, a little bit about your background, just so everybody gets some uh, perspective. Well, I've been living in Florida since 1991. I was a uh, police and courts reporter up in the panhandle. And then I made my way down to Tampa where I was a business writer and in Southwest Florida, where I was also a business writer with a weekly business newspaper. And uh, now I've been living in Miami for a couple of years and I write for entrepreneurs. Nice, nice, nice. And and I got to ask you, um, uh, Tampa, how did you like living in Tampa and anybody in our audience and and keep in mind, our audience goes from from Prague to Sydney, from uh, Toronto to Buenos Aires. How, how did you like living in Tampa, where some people on the Miami side, they tend to think that uh, Tampa's a little bit uh, a little bit slower and the necks are a little bit redder? Yeah, I don't know. It's Cigar City, you know? It's, True. Uh, 
great, um, uh, uh, great vibe. A lot of business happening there. Uh, it's, uh, there's it includes St. Pete's, uh, which has been really happening. Ybor City, the resurgence uh, there. It's a very vibrant community, big business community, and um, yeah, Tampa's an exciting place to be. And and what ultimately brought you to Miami? I know you 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 own a condo. You're down in the Brickell Avenue area. Right. What ultimately yeah. brought you brought you to Miami? Yeah, I, I have customers on the West Coast that wanted to be on the East Coast and do business here. So, um, uh, and I followed them here. Ah, uh, so so much like Oscar and John, you sold out of journalism. You went into the money, and you're doing public relations and marketing now. There you go. That dark nice. side. <laughs> no, 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 Joan, before we start, I got to ask you a question. I ask a, a lot of people who I do these uh, interviews with. And by the way, we do Thursday interviews. We do a guest interview. We do these roundtables on Tuesday. I always ask everybody uh, whether they prefer a Cuban sandwich or a Medianoche. But what I want to ask you, given the fact you live in Tampa so long, oh boy. do you think the Tampa Cuban sandwich, who in Tampa claims credit for it, or the yeah. Miami Cuban sem, uh, sandwich is superior. Which which one would you say? Keep in uh, mind, Oscar is of Cuban descent. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care. I don't care. I'd say the German one is better. <laughs> well, they can't even agree in Tampa what makes a, a good Cuban sandwich. So, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Tampa. Wow, wow. And what, what's the difference? Tampa Tampa Cuban sandwich has like salami or something, right? Well, they. There's a lot of debate about that. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> even 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 in Tampa, they can't they can't decide which what what the real Cuban sandwich is. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I will tell you before the covid hit back in March, uh, one of the things I was looking at, because, you, you know, you you and I first met on a tour a couple of years ago. We did one of our walking tours. I was actually looking at doing a tour of Cuban sandwiches. Uh, basically take people around, tell them some of the history, yada, yada, yada about Cuban sandwiches. But unfortunately, that's been put by the wayside. Oh, shame. Wow. <laughs> wow. Listen to Oscar. Wow. That sounds very stimulating, right, Oscar? <laughs> well, that's an exciting life you lead there. <laughs> well, listen, walking and eating, you know, two things I can do. Throw, throw a little gardening in there and, you know, you pretty much know me. Besides yeah, I, was that. All, I was all in for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so uh, Jean, let me uh, let me tell you the rules of engagement. Oscar and John already know it. Uh, basically, we're looking for straight talk. Insulting language is acceptable, and salty language is short for cursing. So, if you let something slip, it's not going to be a problem uh, to any of us or any members of the audience. So, uh, other than that, I will give you three headlines. We're going to talk about them. We're going to go in a rotation in terms of everybody giving their first reaction. We'll take a commercial break. We'll do another three headlines. Take a commercial break. Then we're going to have a, a prediction phase. I'll ask you to make a prediction. And then finally, we'll wrap it up with some comments that we received from our audience. Any member of the audience who wants to reach out, make a suggestion, a criticism, anything, you can reach us at inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Sound good? Everybody ready? Yep. Yep. All right. So we'll, we'll let John's go last in terms of the first three rotation. Why don't we start off with Oscar? Because he's got a lot of energy going here. So Oscar, Oscar, this comes out of the Atlantic publication written by a guy called Derek Thompson. And the headline right. is a lot of Americans are about to lose their homes. The subhead yep. is the current housing crisis could get messy quickly, but fixing it shouldn't be complicated if Congress intervenes, uh, intervenes. Right. And here's the lead. The COVID-19 pandemic is a historical accelerant. It's compressed 10 years of online shopping growth into a few months. 
bankrupted chains that were in steady decline, hastened democratic gains in the Sun Belt, sped up urban exodus from America's most expensive cities, and persuaded my grandmother to finally use Instacart. All this was bound to happen eventually. The coronavirus just mashed it into a big fat thumb on the fast forward button. And now the housing problems, years in the making, is dangerously close to spiraling out of control. And then let, let last graph, before the pandemic, half of U.S. renters spent 30% of their income on housing. The poor uh, quintile of Americans spent more than half of their income on rent on average. Even in a healthy economy, housing costs were eating workers' wages. Oscar, wow. is this guy blowing it out of proportion? Is this correct bait, or do you think there's some reality to it? Yeah, we, I've been saying this for a while now. I think, in reality, we've all been saying it. Now, what's weird about it and, and disconnected is that there's a lot of activity in the housing market, at least in South Florida right now. So a lot of people are in a position to lose their homes, lose definitely if they're renters. There's no question about that. But there's also this weird, uh, I don't know if it's an, ab- an aberration or if it's, you know, a sign of things to come that the real estate market is hot. Now, I, the data shows that a lot of that has to do with price reduction. So, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening simultaneously that are disconnected. So in my, in my opinion, as I've said from multiple shows and hopefully someone that is a decision maker is listening, is that to allow a significant proportion of renters and people in general who are, you know, whether they're families, individual, it doesn't matter if they're renters or even people who are homeowners who are not able to pay their mortgage if those people get are evicted, there's going to be a level of crisis in this country that may lead to all kinds of bad things that we thought was were never possible in the United States. There cannot be people on the streets without homes, children on the streets, old people. It cannot happen because if that happens, you're going to have protests on the street like you've never seen. And there's going to be damage and there's going to be. Uh, outlawlessness it, it's going to be something like out of you know a movie a, a post-apocalyptic kind of movie it's just not feasible and i cannot imagine that that congress is that uh cynical that they would allow that kind of thing to happen so i expect that there will be mechanisms to push out evictions to push out foreclosures there has to be I just cannot imagine anything else. True. Now, 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 John, you, you lived through the last downturn. You've been down here since uh, the late 80s or so. Um, you know, the, the county, the cities, a variety of cities in, in, in Miami-Dade County, they're getting a rent relief. State of Florida has rent relief. Is that enough to sort of quash this, uh, this concern? Uh, don't, don't forget $600 CARES Act. For unemployment, the extra uh, bump everybody's getting who's on unemployment, it's going to be expiring at the end of this month, which is July. W- 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 what's your take? Is is there enough government stimulus, CARES Act, uh, handouts from the from the state, uh, uh, the county, and the city for renters, or or is this thing going to spiral out of control rapidly, especially as we go into August? Um, everything that's on the table now is going to help, but I think uh, the biggest seismic change has been pretty much not reported. And that is uh, with McConnell meeting with Trump today. You're talking about Mitch McConnell, the um, the head of the Senate. Right. And they were discussing today, 
um, after taking a hard line about extending the $600 benefit, federal benefit, yeah, I believe they're actually, actually going to come to an agreement. Uh, it may not be the full 600 it may be 400 maybe 300 but anything is better than nothing. Because like Oscar says, otherwise they realize there will be wild pandemonium in the streets. This is, I think that's a huge component to people be able, being able to hang on in addition to the rent relief. You're going to need that uh, federal stimulus. Now, now I, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but I, I was when I was going through the stories, picking some of the stories, I was I'm seeing some headlines I haven't seen before down here in South Florida. I've been here since '93. Um, somebody in Boca got kidnapped. Somebody in Little Havana got you know, they're calling it kidnapped. Basically, people got picked up, uh, driven to an ATM, uh, their phone stolen, stuff like that. Um, you know, John, you've been living on the ground in Miami for two to three years. Yeah, you lived out in Tampa. You, you know, you, you've been all around. Um, what, what, what's the sense you're getting? Is Miami safe or is this uh, situation economically, uh, whether it be housing or be anything else? Is it uh, are you starting yeah. to feel uneasy? No, I mean, for now, I think I think we're OK. I, you know, the, the one thing in Florida is that they're just going to have to extend the moratorium on evictions I mean, on evictions. OK, so yeah, you, you think I mean, that's I mean well, I, I think that's the start, because what that's going to do is it's going to force um, landlords and renters to uh, to negotiate, um, you know, terms that are acceptable to them. And you add that you add the forbearance on the on the on the mortgages um, and, you know, I think that buys that buys time, you know, um, and, and, plus, and keep in mind, and yeah, it's, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but just for the for the audience, uh, the forbearances of I think it's effectively April. Uh, if you if you had a mortgage that was uh, effectively backed or, or, or owned by the federal government, you could call up your lender and say, listen, I'm having some problems. They would give you six months forbearance, which basically means you didn't make any payment. The debt got put on the back end. And then at the end of six months, you could extend it another six months. So effectively up and through, let's call it ballpark March, April of 2021, basically so you can stay in your house and the market didn't get flooded with foreclosures. So I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, uh, Sean. No, 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 that's great. In fact, I mean, that's, that's kind of like a timeout on the housing market. I mean, I think that's why you're not seeing big, big moves in the prices and you know, the market's essentially frozen. Um, I mean, and, and no one's moving around, you know, I mean, yeah. well, well, Oscar, Oscar, you were referring to some of the high name, um, uh, or, or the high end, uh, properties that were transacting granted at a discount, but you were seeing some velocity. <laughs> they, they tended to be the luxury types with the fat cats, uh, buying other than that, uh, I guess under $350,000 was a bit active. Was that your take on it, Oscar? Yeah, I don't know if you and I got the same email or if it was in the comments about Miami Springs being a hot market right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't... Yeah, you just blew John's comment section. All right. Oops. Absolutely. Oops. Nice Sorry. Work. Sorry. Nice Sorry. <laughs> Listen, I'm working with live information here. So Miami Springs is definitely, I don't know if you would consider it traditional luxury in the sense that it's not like a, a high-end penthouse condo or something or maybe a house in Pinecrest, but Miami Springs has very strong pricing generally and it's become more so because a lot of uh, people who are trying to find you know a an upside kind of house uh, not a downsize but an upsize kind of house are looking as new territory and okay. yeah so I think um, places like that are extremely attractive because pricing has changed 
And supposedly, well, I'll, I'll leave this other detail out so that John still has something to say later. Okay. So whenever you're ready. Okay. All right. Fantastic. So let, let's, um, you know, that's foreshadowing. So we'll, we'll pick that up on the comment section. So let, let's move on to the next story. And this is going to sort of, um, this plays off of what John had just said. This comes from NBC News. Uh, headline, a tsunami of evictions. Tsunami of evictions, in air quotes, is coming warn housing advocates and here's a quote as part of the subhead you can't expect people to not work and still pay their bills said one parent facing eviction if the state is making it so people can't work they should help them john that isn't that what you've been saying for quite some time that uh, the government's get ahead of itself it wants to open up it wants people to go back kids to go back to school in a couple weeks and uh lo and behold what happens if you can't pay your rent absolutely i mean i I've been, have been saying that for weeks and it's um uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty black and white. I mean, you know, you you've got to be working or at least getting some sort of subsidy from the government to pay your bills. It's black and white. Um, you know, and if that doesn't happen, if that somehow uh, that that deal with the government so to say, is 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 crossed, you're going to have um, real trouble, pandemonium, violence in the streets. Okay, and let me try to quantify that. Now, according to NBC News. Along with roughly 28 million people across the United States, Gonzalez, who is the per- first person who's mentioned in this, uh, this story, and her family are facing homelessness as a state, as, a, as states lift temporary eviction moratoriums put in place to protect people who fell behind on rent because of the coronavirus. At the same time, and they're looking at August 1st as like the ticking time bomb, 30 million unemployed workers will lose their $600 a week in, uh, $600 a week in pandemic unemployment assistance, a benefit that's set to expire at the end of the month if Congress does not act to extend it. John, that sounds like a shit show. What would you do if you were, if you were basically running the government? How, how do you deal with all these people who might be homeless and then the extra 30 million who are effectively looking at losing a, a, a large chunk of uh, what they've been surviving at for the last four or five months? Yeah, I mean, politically, you, you've got to extend the moratorium on evictions. I mean, and, and you know, the other thing, too, is, I mean, if you're if you're the sheriff, you know, are you going to be, uh, you know, following up on on these eviction orders and evicting, you know, uh, people with kids? And I mean, where are all these people going to go? Jeez, yeah. um, I mean, I think I, re- I read somewhere a few months ago where where one of the one of the law enforcement agencies had said essentially, you know, they're not going to go evict people out of their homes, you know, um, single moms with kids or, you know, vulnerable people. What, you know, it's well, just it's well, not, politi- not politically feasible. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and for context, uh, we, we did an interview a couple of weeks back. So this is episode number 23 episode number. I think it was number 20, 20. Let's call it 20 with Alex Barthet. He was saying that effectively the civil court is about a year behind in terms of the cases. And what they have to deal with first is, is criminal. And you have to deal with some of the other situations that were far in advance. So who knows when they would actually get through to some of these evictions simply because yeah. everything's been backlogged for so long. Well, you know, in, in Southwest Florida, they had something called the rocket docket. Uh, where, where um, you know, they, they hired all these retired judges to go through all the foreclosures, the, oh, the tsunami right. of foreclosures. And, um, you know, the courts, the courts cleared, you know, this huge, gigantic backlog of foreclosures. But, I mean, that was different because that was, you know, mostly speculators. I mean, you weren't talking about, you know, working families and people on the edge, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a different situation. 
Oscar, is it different? Is it, is it different this time around versus uh, back in the day in the uh, previous cycle? Different in what sense? I'm not well, sure what your question is. Well, I, I'm just wondering, is, is this a similar type of situation where basically economy goes bad, people lose their homes, and um, uh, opportunists take advantage, hint, hint? Or is, is there something a little bit different here because you have a health uh, aspect? Right. So the bottom line is, as long as we don't have control of or not control because you can't have control, but at least there's some sense of predictability in terms of who's getting it and, you know, how serious it is, the economy is going to suffer because now Florida is talking about shutting down again. And um, that would be crippling beyond anything I can imagine. I mean, there are some businesses that are just holding on. And to shut down again, I don't even understand how that would be possible in in terms of being able to restart, you know, unless Congress did another round of PPP, you know, of giving out money that would be available to businesses to, to stay afloat, you know? So um, I think it is different in that. I think it is very different in that during the last crisis, which was 2008. They were bailing out the banks. So, you know, it was very hard yes. to feel bad for a, a bank that basically got a handout. This time you're talking about individuals who didn't do anything wrong and they're out of work basically because of this health situation. Right. But I think the other aspect of, of this situation is that in 2008, there was a financial crisis and there wasn't a, an identity crisis. Okay. And what's happening in this country right now is that multiple factors are expanding in intensity. So one of them is race relations. One of them is economic. One of them is health. The identity of this country is being challenged because it's built on white supremacy and it's built on white men being supreme. And the thing is that at this point, there has been so much violence through the police, which are a reflection of the country that it's made it impossible for, for people to just say everything's going to be okay. I don't know that everything's going to be okay. I think that what Trump is doing is something so seismic and it's been building, you know, it's been building for more than a hundred years, ever since uh, slaves were brought here from all different parts of the world, specifically from Africa. It's, it's been building. And we're at a point now where we have to decide, are we going to be a country of diversity or are we going to be a country of white male supremacy? And I guess we're going to find out come November when we have the next um, election. So uh, let's let's get to our third piece. Uh, John, why don't we go with you? This one's going to be the real deal. This is actually coming out of Chicago. It's coming out of Chicago. You say, Peter, what the hell are you tell me uh, about a story out of Chicago? Well, because I think it might be a canary in a coal mine. So here, here's the lead or here's the headline. Goldman Sachs pulls funding from the 1000M condo tower. And what does that mean? And why is that important? Well, Goldman Sachs has pulled funding from Chicago's largest active condo, $470 million tower at 1000 South Michigan Avenue. And if you don't know Michigan Avenue, it's effectively a big shopping district in, uh, in, in Chicago. The construction lender has put the 74-story tower on ice until it assesses the real estate market's strength in September. So here you are, a, a company, a nation, if you will, Goldman Sachs Investment Bank, 
who's got cash on the street funding a condo tower with financing. And trust me, their money doesn't come cheap. And they're deciding, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't necessarily want to fund this entire project like we promised because we're not sure about the economic future. And keep in mind, the city of Chicago is, I, I think, on phase three or four in terms of opening versus Miami, which is in a phase one. John, is this, uh, is this an anomaly or do you think this, uh, this is something we might be seeing uh, spread uh, around the country in terms of uh, I'm actually lend- shocked- lenders backing out? I'm actually shocked we haven't seen it earlier. Right. You see it's almost like it's a lag, a laggard. Uh, Indicator, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I don't know Chicago, but I know Michigan Avenue is really the Fifth Avenue of Chicago. You know, <laughs> I listen to the New Yorker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, so that, that, you know, that's why I'm, I'm kind of taken back that we haven't seen it more. So I actually think we're going to see more of that very, probably very quickly. Yeah. 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 And, and Oscar, well, look, Oscar, you, you wrote about real estate for a number of years down in South Florida. Um, why are the projects still going forward? How can we not see more um, lenders or developers saying, you know what, let's just put it on hold, much like the restaurants, and let's wait till this thing is passed and then we'll kind of move forward? Well, the way that banks work is the money is sort of uh, set aside for projects, and that happens way before things like COVID yep. are factored in. So you can't just pull back. Yeah, but still, though, still, there's, you know, there, there's draws you've hit a certain point. Like in this particular situation, um, the foundation was already laid. So they, they used the first portion of the funding to lay the foundation. And then Goldman said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you know, we need to reconsider. Yeah. Well, I'm going to provide some context that you okay. may or may not like. And I know that you can edit it out. But as, <laughs> as long as it's not political, we like I know. It. I know you don't like political. <laughs> but let me put things in context. All right. Okay. 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 Okay, so let me go back to this idea that I was talking about a minute ago that that I feel you didn't like. No, it's not that I don't like it, but I want to talk about real estate, not necessarily. I understand, but listen, the foundation foundation of everything, of our economy, which is what I'm talking about, is based on the idea that white people are going to dominate and that they have all the money and they're going to grow grow their money and everybody else can go after the the pickings after the fact, the leftovers. And I think that in this current situation, individuals are saying that the economic system, as it currently exists, favors one group and everybody else gets screwed. And yeah, it, favor, it favors the wealthy. If you have money, it's exactly. easy to get a loan. If you don't exactly. have money, you can't get a loan. Yes. So <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm talking about. But the bulk okay. of the wealthy are going to be white males, right? And what I'm saying is that in addition to the demand for equality in terms of policing and safety and all these issues, there's a demand for reparations specifically from the black community. So imagine if that goes forward, the country is going to have to deal with that issue. And I think it's a it's it's a viable request. It's it's a reasonable request to have reparations. And as much money as we've spent on so many other things. You're seeing stories about corruption, how the PPP, which is this bill that was uh, designed to give money to small businesses, was used by the powerful to pad their their nests, including Democrats. 
right? People like Nancy Pelosi, whose husband applied for money for one of his businesses. What's our what's our rule about our, talking about politics? All right, so let it's me supposed put it to be about real estate no, and economics. Let, let me put it in context. <laughs> let me put it in context. So, as we move forward, the reason why these protests are continuing for months at a time at this point is yep. because. People understand there has to be an economic shift, a way of looking at our economy. But did Goldman Sachs pull the funding on the condo tower because of any of that? Or did they pull the funding based on the uncertainty of the economy, which has That's nothing to do with it? About. That's exactly oh. what I'm talking about. Because okay. right now, there are not people who are willing to say, let's go back to the old way, where deep pockets, no matter what, are always going to be afloat, if not overcome barriers and they're going to survive and make money no matter what cmbs is crashing cmbs is crashing so what that tells you is that the normal paradigms of banking are having issues and you have all these weird disconnects like wall street is doing incredible like in the last six months some of the best performances by wall street are when announcements are made about unemployment so what that tells you is there's this massive disconnect between the money and everything else. And what that tells me is that there has to be some equilibrium achieved. We're not there yet. And the protests that are going on are not just about police brutality. It's about the system as a whole tearing down the statues, talking about reparations. It's, it's potentially going to create a whole new environment for how people think about investing understood understood um by the way, Jean, by the Jean, way, Jean, did goldman did goldman pull the financing because of any of the things oscar mentioned or maybe because of the economy well well <laughs> 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 well i i don't know anything about about the politics but i guess i guess what i'm what i'm what i'm reading is i i read uh, brian bandell in the in the south florida business journal and okay, I, and I and I'm reading all these stories that he's writing in the last couple of months about all these new projects that are going to come out of the ground. They're getting funded, and I'm wondering, like, you know, who are these banks or who are these lenders that are funding these projects? Like, what? I mean, are they are they seeing some? Am I missing something here? And I guess I guess what I'm wondering is, like, I wonder if maybe real estate is is. Um, some somewhat of a tax refuge, you know, that perhaps um, in light of, you know, the bills that are going to come due from this crisis, whether, um, you know, real estate is actually a haven and people can park their money in real estate projects and um, and and get somewhat of a tax sheltered uh, fr from that, uh, from future tax increases. Kind of like um, the Opportunity Zone and some of those other programs. Yeah, there. And, and, yeah. and I guess it, it also brings up the fact, and this touches a little bit on what Oscar was saying, but that there's sort of a, a two markets here. So there's like the haves and the have-nots. Exactly. And, and, and the haves have a lot. And, um, you know, where are they going to put the money, you know? Um, because it's going to get taxed, <laughs> you know? Somebody's going to have to pay for all of all of this money that we're spending <laughs> Right. And uh, and so I guess I guess real estate might be one of those places like, yep. you know, like gold, like physical gold. <laughs> so, you know? so it's also also an inflation as an inflation hedge, because here we have the Fed like pumping, you know, 
billions of dollars in, into the in, into the system. I mean, are we going to start seeing inflation? I mean, if if so, perhaps real estate's a good place to be. Yeah. And Dude, and and yeah, one more thing I was okay. going to say was that yeah. banks banks can't have a they have a pile of money. I mean, people are putting cash in the bank. Banks have to do something with it, you know. I mean, they can't just let it sit there, um, the, you know. So and that's I, a great point. It's a great yeah. point, John. And yeah, we, we discussed it a couple and, weeks back. Uh, J- John, I'm going to kick it out to you. And ta- uh, but, hold on, hold on, John, hold on. So I'm going to kick it out to you. But just one point I want to throw out to uh, John. Um, you've only been on the ground here two years, three years. Um, I would tell you when you see local selling to out of towners who say they're smarter and they have a vision, typically it's a Miami hustle. So if somebody's getting their hands on cash and they can come in and they can buy and, and, and the seller makes that buyer make, make seem like they're smarter. This goes all the way back to the 1920s when they were reclaiming Everglades and selling dirt. So that's just the usual. When it's, the the story, selling, it's the story of Florida. It's the story of Florida. So, so John, um, why don't you give us the final tidbits and then we're going to take a commercial break. Well, I, I, I task his point. Um, it was reported to, yeah, it was reported today that the uh, PPP loans, it, um, Virtually none of the loans went to minority-owned businesses. I thought that was a shocking uh, thing to hear. Um, you know, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, I got to back up Oscar on this one. It's. It's almost seems like it's. Uh, it's. It's a white man conspiracy. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's a white not... man conspiracy. So let me get this. Let me. Let me see if I can. Okay, uh, Oscar. Oscar, let, let, let's take a break because we're 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 pushing the um, pushing it here. We can pick it up on the other side. So um, you listen to Counter Vultures podcast. We don't talk politics, but today I guess we are going to. No, we're not uh, on, on, on the other side of the break, we're going to get into stories four, five, and six. But before that, we'll sort of uh, take a deeper dive into this, um, uh, the points Oscar's making. So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Don't buy a South Florida condo, discounted or distressed, before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Count of Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. We have Oscar Musabai, very lively today one. Uh, we have John <laughs> Fackler and we have Jean Gruce. We're discussing uh, top six stories that have made headlines in the last week that we think are important to you. But uh, one of our panelists wants to actually make it seven, eight, nine. So why don't we go back to Oscar? Oscar, you wanted to expand about the idea of reparations and how all these other things uh, in terms of equal rights were going to um, Simulate the economy. So what, what can you boil it down and just kind of make it uh, straightforward? Okay. So I'm not, I'm not trying to provide a, a um, what's the right word, an endorsement of anyone's side. What I am saying is that the chickens are coming home to roost, that at this point there are forces that are affecting the economy that are creating instability that makes it very difficult to predict where to spend your money, where, where to invest it. And what I'm saying is that for the first time in a long time, this country is dealing with some very difficult issues that are going to affect the economy. One of them is the most obvious, which is COVID, right? 
Yes. Yes. And the 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 pretense on the part of the government, whether you're looking at Florida where we live, or yep. uh, out of the White House, is that you can separate COVID from the economy, and you cannot. You have to okay. fix COVID before everything else happens. Look at New York, where New York was the epicenter of all these issues involving COVID, and now they're okay. they're opening in a phased opening. So, okay, what I'm suggesting right now is that if you're looking to stability, then I think real estate is a great investment because it allows you to have some predictability in terms of where your money is going to end up. You know, you, you invest a hundred thousand, it's going to be 120. Well, well, yeah, but Oscar, that's always what they say in times of trouble. You go to predictability, you go to uh, utility stocks, you go to real estate, something that's uh, something that pays a dividend. And you get away from the more speculative stuff. So, yeah, no, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I'm talking about the reparations and everything else you're talking about. You wanted to expand on that? Talking about regarding that, because I was trying to stick to your to your premise of okay. to, to real estate, is that there are a lot of factors that are going to impact the, the economy going forward. Now, okay. and that's going to create instability. It's going to continue to create instability. At the same time, let's think of as a as a uh, bar chart right so if you think about uh normal instability you have all these factors covid businesses closing all these things and yet wall street is doing incredibly well right so but 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 oscar though oscar if you take a look at the wall street and i'm not a broker dealer i'm not a trader nothing like that mm -hmm. um uh i would tell you not all the stocks are humming certain no, stocks every, everybody's piling into and as a result it looks like it's flying but in yeah. reality not every single stock has gone up yes and there are some covid right now <laughs> which are durable and doing well but okay. this is part of what i'm talking about is that there's this weird uh abnormality in the market where you would expect that with the economy and the closures the pending closures being so imminent that the, that Wall Street would crater, and it's not. So, but 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 Wall Street's looking six months in advance. They're seeing signs. Like, let, let me give you for instance. There, there there was a discussion today on CNBC, and I listened to and I watched. CN well, I don't watch it, but I tend to listen to it. Uh, I do it on TuneIn, and they were talking about how New York. And you made reference to New York. Okay, so New right. York was the epicenter, and then all of a sudden it slowed down, and now it's uh, rock star. And now New York is stopping people from Florida from coming to visit when it was the other way around. Correct. Right. So what Wall Street is saying is they're saying, OK, New Florida is going to run through the same routine, the same cycle that New York did, which means two to three weeks from now, Florida should top out. And then as a result, it's going to start going down. And because Wall Street traders are anticipating six months in advance, that's why they would run and say, OK, Florida's already through the worst part. They're probably at the peak and it's probably going to improve on the other side. So th that, that I think is the difference. Wall Street's running because they're, they're seeing signs that suggest based on trends that uh, you know, good times are ahead. Now, now the other the other point to uh, to to yours though, Oscar is talking about volatility. You know, I, I'd also throw in there part of the volatility is a presidential election. Every time we have a presidential election, you remember the last one, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. It was chaos right. as well. Now, now, granted, you know, you you had a murder uh, up in Minneapolis of an African American. That's obviously different. You have protests, but but there was chaos back in 2016. My recollection, right? Yeah, I agree that that people look forward and back and they're like, wow, these are the craziest times. No, during 2016, when the, you know, the Trump Hillary Clinton election was going on, there was plenty of chaos. 
and before that when Obama was in office and before that when George yeah. Bush was in office. There's plenty of volatility. The, the issue is how much faith do you have in the individual to maintain the economy? And let's just talk about the future for a minute, right? The, but 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 what what future are we talking about? There's a future up to the vaccine, and then there's a future after the vaccine. I think to go past yes, the vaccine, I agree. Uh, anticipate is you know it's just kind of pointless because we don't know if and when there'll be a vaccine. That's right. That's right. You're 100 percent right. Once we get the vaccine, I think there's going to be an incredible uh, vitality in the market, in the real estate market, in the economy. It's going to be like nothing we've seen in a decade, right? If anybody's so, still standing, I mean, if, you know, if, if, if restaurants all get wiped out, if, if no, all I don't these... think that's going to happen, it can't happen. It cannot Oscar, happen. Oscar, there, there was a report today. Uh, where was it? The Miami new times. They talked about how shuckers little sports bar, right. with Outdoor seating at North Bay village in um, yes. basically between Miami beach and the mainland. Now, most of their seating is outdoors. They can't make a go of it. So they've shut down. Then you had that famous uh, restaurant over on miracle mile. What is it? Uh, Oranique. On the yes. mile, they just yes. permanently closed 21 years after starting. Wow. Across the street, you had the um, the Irish um, uh, John Martin restaurant. They shut down for good. So so there's a lot of places that were institutions in South Florida, which are basically yes. going by the wayside. And, okay. and, and think about the organizations and the restaurants that weren't uh, – they don't have 20 years uh, on the books and people know them who are trying to make a go of it. How, how the hell are they going to survive? I, I just think I, there's going to be massive craters in this economy. Uh, until a vaccine is created, regardless of who's president in um, uh, 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 based on the election in November. Who wants to jump in? Because I don't want to monopolize this conversation. Jean is a good Frenchman, uh, yeah. original, <laughs> living in Miami. That's right. What, 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 what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, Miami's economy is is based on tourism and hospitality, and and right now it's you know been devastated. So, you know, uh, the recovery, uh, at least in South Florida, is going to be very difficult. I mean, uh, and, yeah. and and keep in mind that pile on. Um, keep in mind Latin America is starting to get hit now hard. Oh and Latin yeah, Latin America is a big driver of the South Florida economy, especially You're south right. of Fort Lauderdale. So, yeah, right. you know, that's what that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of uncertainty across the board. J- right. John, 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 what, yeah. what, what's your take on it? Well, first, I'd like to commend um, Oscar for being uh, to the left of Batista. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Batista wasn't left. He yeah, Batista left. was he right. right. He was a dictator. <laughs> well, I'm just saying uh, that's what I mean. I mean, uh, the socialist views are, are well, well uh, understood here. Um, yes. But uh, no, I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think you know, some of the examples, Peter, you, you pointed out are, are really good examples of the real problem we're going to have long term in bringing everybody back online a second time. Um, bringing people back, you know, again, the second time is is going to be too challenging financially for these restaurants and clubs and bars. And it's, it's just, it looks like a disaster in the making long term. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so let's get to the other stories. And by the way, Oscar, I don't disagree or agree with anything you're know, saying. I'm just saying in terms of priorities, I think the priority right now is health and yes, the I economy agree. and the election. And then come November, whoever gets elected in, have at it. Have at yes, it. Exactly. And so that's my we're, own personal we're in perspective. Agreement. Yep. We're in agreement. Okay. All right. So here's something else we're probably going to be in agreement as well. This is story number four. This comes out of the Miami Herald. Headline, Florida adds more than 10,000 coronaviruses 
cases as state total climbs past 360,000 in the state of Florida. 360,000 people as of uh, today, which is Monday, July the 20th. We have uh, 360,000. Uh, let's see. We've had 9,000, 90 new uh, deaths announced today, bringing the statewide residential death toll to nearly 5,100. So we've had 5,100 people die in Miami-Dade County. You have, let me see here, 87,000 cases with 1,300 deaths. Broward County, 1,700 cases with uh, 40, excuse me, 1,700, I'm sorry, that's a new one. So 41,000 cases in Broward County, 512 deaths in Palm Beach County, 26,400 cases with 700 deaths. So let, let me just give you a refresher. So you got 87,000 cases in Dade, you got 41,000 in Broward, and you got 26,400 in Palm Beach in terms of death. 1,300 people died in Dade, 500 people died in Broward, and 700 died in uh, Palm Beach County. So we have a, a curfew put in place in Miami Beach to stop partiers. I think the curfew is 8 o'clock. And there's talk that the ICU beds are basically more than at capacity in Miami-Dade County. So who wants to take that on? Um, and and is this, can it get any worse, whoever takes uh, it on? Well, I'll take this on first. Um, okay. Because this actually plays into my predictions, which is for a later part of the program. Um, okay. But that said, there is um, – there's been a leveling off of some. I'm not sure if it's hospitalizations or a number of cases. And um, I don't, you know, right now it's all doom and gloom. Yep. But I think the um, politicians, the local politicians, state politicians are, are looking at these numbers very closely to look to see if there's any kind of improvement in the numbers. And I think that may actually play into whether or not there's a shutdown or whether they're going to be. Um, you know, uh, making the rules a little bit stricter about uh, dining indoors and outdoors and those types of things. So I think those numbers are not sustainable to your question. And I think that you're going to start to see probably a leveling off of cases, but you may see a resurgence after that. Wow. So I don't think it's a, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a straight line uh, up as far as the number of cases, hospitalizations, and infections. John, any, yeah, any good yeah. news, any good news we can take well, away from any well, of this? I, well, I did, I did read a Bloomberg story over the weekend, uh, quoting Donna Shalala saying like, we need to shut the state down. Uh, so I mean, and, and Donna, Donna Shalala used to, was part of the uh, Clinton, Clinton administration. Clinton, yeah. She was head of HHS, uh, under the Clintons. She, uh, she ran the university of Miami and really put it on the board in terms of fundraising. Right. And now she's a Congresswoman representing, uh, South Florida, a district in South Florida in, 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 uh, Miami. Up in Washington. Yeah. Miami. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, here, here she is calling for a shutdown, um, uh, you know, saying, telling Bloomberg it's out of control. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's just political posturing or if that's, you know, really how she feels. Oscar, Oscar, they say you have to bottom out before you can improve and get better. Is this a bottoming out, do you think, based on um, what John just said with uh, Donna Shalala calling for closure? Man, when I saw that video, I was uh, disturbed because that reality, which may be where we need to go, is extremely serious. Mm hmm. So um, I, 
I don't want to buy into that idea. I got to tell you the truth. I don't want to buy into the idea that we have to shut down again. I just, even though the numbers are very high, part of the problem is that when you compare the national numbers to Florida specific, it yep. doesn't seem like Florida is doing that badly, even though it is, it's doing horribly and it's getting worse, but it's sort of a weird um, disconnect between what's happening in Florida and what's happening in the country as a whole. Yep. So looking at the economy of Florida and, and where we're at, my biggest problem is that I don't think DeSantis is a good manager of what's going on. I think he R- Ron DeSantis, the Republican um, uh, right. governor of Florida. Okay. And I think he menaces is a, is a Republic Republican and is a better manager, but, and, and you're talking about Carlos E. Menace, the mayor yeah. of Miami Dade County and city of Miami he's, is within um, the County of Miami Dade. Right. Okay. And he's, he's running for a house seat. And um, right now the, the, the infections are so out of control that there may not be an alternative because people are not paying attention. I live on Miami beach. I drive through Miami beach every day. And yep. there are people all over the place without masks. It's outrageous. I don't, yep. I don't understand what to do. Ooh, bizarre. Yeah. So yeah. If you're not, if, if, if people are not taking precautions seriously, yep. then why should we, he afforded the privilege of being open. I mean, that's the difficult reality that we're dealing with. But I don't want to close. I got to tell you the truth. I don't want to close. It's it's going to be devastating beyond anything that we've gotten so far. Well, and as all hell is breaking loose, I don't have to remind uh, any of you, but uh, Major League Soccer, as well as the NBA, are basically reviving their seasons and they're based in Orlando in these so-called bubbles, which we discussed a couple episodes back. So I think in the end, you cannot disconnect the COVID response and how people react to it from the economy. They're both interconnected. Just like our economy in the United States is connected to all the other countries in the world. And if we're doing badly, if we have a cold, everybody else has pneumonia. This is not like a competition where other countries are looking to us and saying, oh, good, the United States is screwed. You know, I mean, this is a horrible, horrible everybody. And we were always looked at as a haven for, for money from outside the country. Are they looking to us the same way? I would ask all of you, are they looking to us the same, the same way? Now, John, John. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, um, you know, speaking with with um, some of the some of the Europeans who live here in, in Miami, I mean, I mean, the U.S. is still still a good place to to invest. And the real estate is, you know, a big way they do that. Um, I don't I don't see a lot of uh, Europeans, you know deciding that they're going to, they're going to bail, bail on their U S investments. I mean, if, if anything, I mean, if prices, uh, if prices collapse, they might, they might actually add to their portfolios, you know? Yeah. But, but you, you know, what's interesting about last go around is when prices were falling, people kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then ultimately they end up missing, missing out on it. So it's always that situation where, where there's uncertainty people sit on the sidelines. That's because they didn't hire you. 
<laughs> there you go. I Only like good. that. <laughs> I like that. All right, let's get. But I, I sorry. I also think internationally, people are looking at the United States now in a different light. Uh, that story came out today about the Bahamas um, keeping everybody out from the United States, but allowing everybody from Canada to the UK and Europe. Uh, people are going to look at that and say, "Hmm, what? You know, maybe." There's an issue with the states. Maybe we should continue to sit on the sidelines as far as investing goes. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, if you are sitting on the sidelines, this is probably some good news. This comes out of the Miami Herald headliner headline researcher. The South Florida housing market sees highest over overvaluation in eight years. South Florida housing market has experienced its highest overvaluation in eight years. Still a housing crisis is unlikely, one expert said. Florida Atlantic University professor and real estate economist Ken H. Johnson found that homes in the Tri-County area were 20% overpriced. The study, which is entitled Consumers Should Be Careful to Avoid Cycles Peak, economist warns, analyzed quarterly reports from the Federal Housing Finance Agency. Published on Monday, the study measured changes from 1982 to the first quarter of 2020. So are we overvalued, John? You're, you're somebody who came down here. Uh, you purchased a property. Uh, you have a bunch of clients. Uh, you've seen West Coast, East Coast, uh, all, all of Florida. Is, is South Florida overvalued? Florida's boom and bust. So, I mean, it's always, you know, overvalued or undervalued. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the story of Florida real estate, right? So, um, you know, it's going to be one or the other. There's no there's no happy medium. <laughs> Do, 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 do you feel like it's overvalued at this point or does it feel like, um, you know, that everything is sort of uh, copacetic? No, it's, 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 it's overvalued. Um, but, but I have started to see prices decline and, you know, they're going to swing the other way uh, like a pendulum, like they always do in Florida. Uh, it's euphoria or it's depression, you know. I mean, that's in, in, in my experience here in Florida for the last 30 years. That's the way it's been. And looking at history, I mean, this is, that's the story of Florida real estate since the 20s. Yeah. Oscar, you own some dirt. You're over in South Beach. Um, you concerned or, or are you confident that South Beach and, and Miami Beach uh, ultimately has the staying power to get through it? No problem. Yeah, I think it's going gonna, gonna, to. Definitely Miami Beach has a kind of armor against downturns because it's a playground. So even if if things go bad, people are going to come here because they think they're going to get deals on hotel rooms and restaurants and everything else. So I, I think we're protected to a certain extent. But the question becomes, do we become a kind of lightning rod for concerns over getting COVID, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. right now, the Bahamas is saying, we don't want any Americans Nope. You know, Europe is saying, no, we don't want any Americans. New York is saying, we don't want any Floridians. <laughs> so we've entered a, a different kind of scenario, a Twilight Zone kind of scenario, where the Americans are not wanted anywhere in the world. And you imagine that in any under, other circumstance. So I think Miami Beach is going to continue to do well. I think that the cruise lines will come back because they will figure out a way of making their um, equation work with, you know, cleaning all the, the, the rooms and cleaning the pu- public spaces. Yeah, um, yeah. And cruise lines is an important factor in this. One of the things that I really haven't understood, and maybe you guys can help me understand and educate me, is why hotels 
are supposedly so um, so dangerous that they have to be shut down. I don't get that. Like right now, short-term rentals are being shut down. I don't get it. Can can you guys help me understand? I don't see where how they're any more vulnerable or dangerous than any other circumstance, any other business, any other public environment. Why are they a target? I don't get it. John, John you've been talking a lot about um, uh, uh, some of the precautions you were taking um, and people not wearing masks, masks like that. What, what What's your take? Um, would you go stay in a hotel? And and if not, why why would you not stay, uh, stay in a hotel? And in uh, this way, it, it might be a backdoor way to answer Oscar's yeah. question because we're, yeah. none of us are scientists. That's a really good point because I think I've had this conversation recently about my own fear about um, the quality of the um, cleanliness of hotels yep. versus Airbnb, even Airbnb, which could be a better bet, but you don't have any idea of you know what level of cleanliness they, they are adhering to. Uh, yep. The hotels yep. like to you know put it out, we're doing this, we're doing that, but quite frankly, I'm, I'd still be concerned about you know, I'd have to do my own, you know, cleaning of the bathrooms and, you know, making sure everything is just right um, before I would be willing to stay there. I, would, yep. I don't trust anybody. Yeah. Does, does someone with the coronavirus sleep in the same bed the night before? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 That's kind of. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't. They're washing the sheets. <laughs> They're supposedly cleaning the lobbies. I mean, I don't yeah. get it. I really don't. I don't understand why. You have the same vulnerability in your house that you do in a hotel or uh, an Airbnb. But you don't have control. You don't have the control in a hotel. You have control over your own house. All right. I mean, I'm still going to go to a hotel. I'm still going to go to an Airbnb. It's not a concern because if they do not police themselves, then they're not going to make any money. So there's a motivation on their part to do extraordinary to have extraordinary efforts to keep everything in line. And well, what about the bars? We know you like the bars. I mean, would you still go? (laughs) What about the bars? Tell me what happened with the bars. (laughs) You seem to be willing to go to the bar. You can't go. (laughs) Listen, there are plenty of bars that have open air areas. Wear a mask to get there. You have a drink or you have some food and then you put the mask back. There's nothing wrong. I don't see why more dangerous than anything else. Now, if you go to a concert, which right now nobody's going to concerts, but let's say you go to a a, a political fundraiser or some other, even a a protest, open-air protest, much more dangerous, right? Because you're up next to people 24-7. And in a hotel or even in a cruise place, in a cruise line, if you're going out there, you find your room, you spend some time in your room. Yes, you go to public areas, but it's all open air generally. Yep. And the evidence is that in open air, open air areas, as long as you wear your mask, you're in pretty good shape. So yep. I think that, unfortunately, the hotel industry is taking an enormous hit for certain that to, are not fair. You happen, to, you happen to bring that up, and let's get on to story number six. 
Yes. This is from um, NBC6 out of South Florida, respectively uh, Channel 6 down here. Headline, South Florida among areas with largest job losses in the state. What kind of jobs were lost? Well, in hospitality um, industry, Oscar, 26,400 jobs were lost. Trade, transportation, and utilities, another 19,100 jobs. Where, were the, where did job losses occur? Orlando, Kissimmee, Sanford, up in central Florida, 170,000 jobs were lost. Miami, Miami Beach, and Kendall, 73,000. Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach, and Kendall. Ooh, that's a typo on NBC6 site. Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach, 670,000 jobs. So basically 170 in Orlando, 73 in Miami, and another 70,000 in Fort Lauderdale. And here's the headline, or here's the lead. South Florida is among the hardest hit when it comes to job losses, according to new employment data released by the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity. According to the June 2020 employment data released Friday on June 23rd, or, uh, on June 23rd out of 24 metro areas in Florida, over the, over the year, job losses were as such. Orlando, Miami, and Fort Lauderdale are the worst performers in the entire state. Um, boy, I mean, uh, restaurants open, but if nobody's got any money to, 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 to buy from there, uh, uh, I, I mean, what, what, what do you do with that? There's massive job losses across the board. 170,000 in Orlando, 73 in, in um, Miami, and, and 70,000 in Fort Lauderdale. Put that together. That's another 143,000. You're talking about 300,000, over 300,000 jobs in two of the major uh, markets of Florida. It's devastating. And it's trade. It's transportation. It's, uh. it's hospitality. It's everything that keeps us going. The one that we don't have in here is real estate, and that's primarily because a lot of brokers are independent contractors. Um, but then you have the construction workers who uh, may or may not be counted. But I don't see that in the particular report. Uh, anything shocking about those numbers or is that was as to be expected? And is this, again, is this a bottoming out before it gets better or is this just a, 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 a sign of what's to come? Did you on top of the line date area? Uh, what, you're going to have to repeat that, John. Well, did you say that Orlando was the, was number one above? South yeah. Florida? Orlando was number one with 170,000 job losses. That's interesting. Versus... That there's, I mean, you got the, obviously Disney, Disney world. I uh, wonder if, how much of that has is related to that, or do they have more manufacturers? But I'm I'm surprised that number's higher than South Florida. Well, I think I think just because it's it's so much of it is tourist based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, tourism and hospitality, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, people... and unfortunately, it's it's hitting the low income uh, folks, uh, especially hard. And mm-hmm. you're talking about the tourism uh, industry, so. You know, all the hotel hotel folks, um, servers, uh, uh, cleaning crews, I mean, uh, entertainment, venue, uh, all kinds of people who are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, yeah not, not good news. Anybody want to uh, make any comments before we take our commercial break and we get into the prediction phase? Nope. 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 Okay. We're good. Hearing nothing, you're listening to the Kind of Vultures podcast. As mentioned, on the other side of the break, we're going to ask all the panelists to make a prediction. Stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Hi, this is Oscar Musabai from Influence Communications. In this age of coronavirus, nothing is more important than keeping your current customers and attracting new ones. And at Influence Communications, we are expert at reaching out to the media and letting them know that your business is open and the services that you provide. And our expertise is in adaptation, helping businesses change their messaging on a regular basis to make sure that they are keeping up with what 
is happening and what the market is demanding. And we also specialize in reaching out to Spanish language media to get your story out. So please call me, Oscar Musabai, 786-348-9257. That's 786-348-9257. 786-348-9257. Thank you. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. This is the prediction segment of our Miami Real Estate and Economic Roundtable discussion. We have John Fasser, we have Oscar Musabai, and we have Jean Gruss. I said it right, John, right? You did. You did. All, all right. I'm getting there. I'm getting there slowly. So, so this is the way it works. I ask everybody to make a prediction uh, sometime in the future, and uh, we'll see if, uh, if everybody's right. If you, if you were right about something, feel free to boast. And if you were wrong, um, we'd love to know about that even more than you being right. So why don't we start off with uh, John? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take a stab at this. Um, okay. This has definitely been top of mind for me today since uh, watching today, um, both Gelber, the mayor for um, Miami Beach, and Suarez, the Miami uh, mayor, were both being grilled by journalists today about shutting down. Should you shut down? Should you shut down now? And they were both doing a cha-cha-cha. Basically, we've got some, you know, measures we've taken. uh, I think they're giving citations to people without masks. You know, they got these little sort of measures they're taking and they want they're taking a, a wait and see approach to this to see well let's see if some of the numbers are stabilizing some of the cases the hospitalizations they want to see if the measures they've taken are having any effect on these cases they they see a plateau a little bit they're both talking about it so they they were really doing i was shocked because they you know you would think they would jump on this and say okay we're shutting down now especially with all these terrible numbers in south florida is that because of that approach, you're going to see they're not jumping on shutting everything down. And you're going to see these numbers stabilize a little bit, maybe go down a little bit. But then because of that, there'll be more lackadaisical behavior from the citizens. And you're going to see another spike. And it's going to be a bad spike. And then they're going to shut down everything. Okay, time That's out, time out, time out. So, so this spike you're talking about, is this the second wave spike? Or is this a continuation of this first oh, wave? Oh, first spike? wave spike. First wave no, first wave spike. Okay. Okay. So you're predicting there's going to be a, the numbers are going to, even the 15,000 that the state of Florida did uh, confirm cases in one day in July, you think it's going to get greater than that? Um, I think it's going to, uh, right now it's been stabilizing at around 10,000. It was up to 15. Yep. Uh, around 12 to 10. I think it's going to go back up to the higher end of that. The higher end of 15,000. Yeah. Interesting. 15, Interesting. 16. Yeah. Oscar, you want to you wanna take a shot? What, what, what do you see coming down the pike? What do you envision? Unfortunately, I think there will be a shutdown of businesses in Florida, maybe specifically in South Florida because there's such an uptick here. I think that's coming, unfortunately. I wish it, it weren't, but that, that is what a lot of different indicators are pointing to. So. Okay. So, so you think the shutdown is um, sometime soon, or are we talking a first wave shutdown, which apparently we're still in the first wave, or are we talking about a second wave, which is more like winter time? No, now. I think it's coming now. Oh, so you, you really think you're going to be shutting it down now? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, and, and, and John, um, what, what, what's going through your mind? What, what, what do you think is coming, around the, uh, coming down the pike for us? Well, well, well I think um, from a real estate standpoint, um, uh, 
the moratorium on evictions will continue <laughs> probably indefinitely until there's some light at the end of the tunnel, whether that's a vaccine or or some kind of a solution. But I think it's going to be politically impossible to have all these people be evicted and landlords are going to have to figure out a way to work with their tenants. And um, essentially the market, the market's going to be frozen from the moratorium on evictions and these loan forbearances. And I think, I think the real estate market is going to be in this like frozen state, you know, where um, up until like next, um, like the second quarter, third quarter of next year. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe until after the election. Um, okay. But I mean, you know, it's Florida being a pivotal state in the election. I mean, you can't you, you're not going to be able to have this like these mass evictions. I mean, I, I think that's politically political yep. suicide. So, yeah. So that's my prediction. Interesting. And for my prediction, I think the stock market is going to run and run hard up until November. So I, I, I think a lot of people are betting, and I sort of laid out that scenario earlier. New York uh, was the epicenter, and now it basically is, has all the cases under control. Florida's going through that right now. Wall Street's betting big that everything is just going to keep improving. We're at the, you know, the worst times, at least in the short term, up until the election. So I would anticipate we're going to see a much higher stock market uh, uh, come election day than what we're looking at right now, unless it becomes real clear that one, uh, one candidate is going to win over the other. So that would be my prediction. So. That was the prediction segment of the Kind of Vultures podcast. We're going to take a break. And then on the other side, we're going to get into our comments. Stay tuned. Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBR Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrrealty.com. Com. Welcome back to the Kind of Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. We have Oscar Musabai. We have uh, Jean Gruss, and we have John Feckler. This is the part where you, the audience, you get to write in and tell us what you're thinking. Are we doing a good job? Are we doing a bad job? You got any suggestions? If you want to reach out to us, send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So, John Fackler, you have the floor. What are the comments, and what are they saying? Okay. This comment comes from Charlie in Miami Springs. Charlie, Charlie writes, I'm a broker in Miami Springs. I can tell you that the bidding wars are also back in Miami Springs. Anything priced under $550,000, you will probably have multiple offers. We have had several listings go under contract and sell at or above list price. Wow. Interesting. And I think Charlie's referring to um, podcast episode number 22, we had Howard Elfman, who runs the agency South Florida. It's a, it's a brokerage up in Fort Lauderdale. He was talking about how there's bidding wars on some of his listings for single-family houses up in the Fort Lauderdale uh, area. So, so Charlie, I think, is responding to that. Any, anybody have any comments about uh, Charlie's? It, it, yeah, I have a question. Is that, is that, is that from people like uh, leaving condos and, and rushing out to buy single-family homes because they're – they're, they're worried about living in multifamily housing. I mean, well, 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 well accord, according to Howard, who, again, who's a broker, he's also he sits on a number of governmental bodies up in Fort Lauderdale area, really well connected uh, in Lauderdale. He was saying that um, a lot of the buyers are New Yorkers. They're transplanting down to South Florida. They're opting for La Fort Lauderdale over Miami. 
Um, part of it is availability. Uh, the other part is cost. And then obviously you have the COVID situation, which is a little bit worse in, in day than it is in Broward. And, um, uh, and they're going with single family. So they're saying they're living vertical or some sort of higher density in New York and in the Northeast, uh, outside of, say, Connecticut and parts of Jersey. And they're coming down here and they're buying that single family house where they can stretch their legs and have a garden and do all that type of stuff. Is it short term? Is it long term? Um, nobody really knows. But houses are hot right now. Townhouses are hot. Condos, not so much in Fort Lauderdale. So, John, comment number two. Okay, comment number two comes from our regular listener, Ilya. Ilya, up in the Treasure Coast. Ilya's in the real estate industry. The Treasure Coast is just north of Palm Beach County. It's um, St. Lucie, Martin, and Indian River. And uh, it's interesting, Ilya has a comment about the stock market, Peter. uh, Okay. Referencing to what you were talking about earlier. Um, He essentially, we had a, a previous conversation. He sort of disagreed. Talked about his different sub-markets and what's doing well, what's not doing well. Talks about some of the sectors are in bad shape, oil, air carries, cruise ships, etc. But the mystery to Ilya, uh, to him personally, is why the overall market is back to higher numbers. He's the assuming, stock market? Yeah. He's assuming we are waiting for a vaccine and a valid cure to reduce the death, if not to eliminate it. Which might happen at some point in the near future, one to two years, which I tend to agree with. Um but, you know, we imagine this is to happen. Um, you know, one thing about it is it's going to go away pretty quickly, in which we know is not the case. Um, and he feels that many businesses are going to go online. So, you know, many restaurants and retail are going to die. Um, but other than that, we should be okay. He also brings up buying huh. properties. Other than that, we should be okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, b- buying properties during the pandemic. He, he uh, thinks okay. the low, low rates are great. Properties are overpriced. Um, the desire uh, of buying these properties does not equal actually pulling the trigger. Um, so what do you think about that, Peter? Ooh, why don't I ask Oscar? Why don't I ask uh, Jean? Um, okay. Is it buying now? Are you, are you catching a falling knife or is it worth taking the risk that the, because you potentially could have a, more of a selection than if you wait until everybody knows it's all, it's all coast clear and you can get in. Well, I think that um, there's a FOMO thing going on right now where people are thinking like they do, like they have in other real estate levels. You got to give us the definition of your acronym, Oscar. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) fear of missing out. Ah, okay. And in real estate, that's a real driver in sales and purchases. So in this case, if you think that the market is, is almost impenetrable and at some point it's going to get worse in terms of pricing then if there's even a small dip you might as well jump in now because it's not going to get any better and what sub markets in miami are showing is that there's a lot of activity so but 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 then again don't yeah. forget don't forget the study coming from the fau professor 20 percent overvalued right yeah. and the, but, but yeah. that doesn't matter i don't think that matters what were you going to say well, well, the bank, the bank, the banks, the banks are taking away the juice. You know, they're they're tightening lending standards, and um, you know the mortgage rates may be low, but you got you got to qualify. You're and right. If you have a bunch of you have a bunch of unemployed people with no income, I mean, they're not going to they're not going to be buying houses. You know, and, yeah, and um, keep in mind, keep in mind, at least last go around, 
when people were coming in all cash, a lot of dirty money was able to move in because there were no safeguards in place. Now the feds have put in a play, uh, put in some safeguards where if you bring it in cash and it's north of, I think it's 300 grand, they ultimately are going to uh, force the closing company to figure out who the end buyer is. So that's, that's sending a lot of the money launderers running for cover where last time they basically had free reign. They could come in here and really invest some cash. So whatever that's worth. So let me ask you a question because we've already seen that the fed is trying to loosen rules that were strict regarding how much money banks had on reserve and also controls that limited the ability of laundering to occur. So how long until the tightening of the rules ends and the rules become looser? I think it's, it's inevitable because we still have plenty of time until the election and Congress is looking for opportunities to, uh, to connect with the public and specifically the money. So, yeah, but, but Oscar, the, the, the number of headlines that have been made, uh, you know, somebody from the Congo, somebody from Colombia, somebody from you name it. There's been all of these people getting indicted for money laundering, buying up dirt, uh, buying up condos, buying up houses, commercial businesses in South Florida. I, I would say even if the government was pulling back the amount of uh, smoke that's around, I, you know, who knows? Maybe that's what the money launderers are looking for. But generally speaking, I'd say, you know, I'd go to a place that's a little little calmer. What, what, what say you, uh, John? Well, they're not there. I mean, the banks are not the banks are are setting aside money for future yeah. loan losses. Yeah, so, the loan losses. I mean, yep. uh, yeah, like billions, 24 billion. Uh, I, I was reading the other day that the, the latest round uh, was equal to to the amounts that they set had to set aside in 2008. So the banks are getting ready for, you know, uh, big problems. And that is trying to lose yeah. those rules. And regardless of what happened five years ago, this is a completely different political environment, which is going to affect the investing environment. And what the people in power are trying to do is generate more money, fundraise more so that they can be elected and, that's why Congress is considering another bill to release more money because they understand that by doing that, they will have a better chance of getting reelected. So while there's a need, there's a parallel driver that is helping people who are in trouble, which is that politicians want to be reelected and how they get reelected is by spending money. So, yes, the rules are difficult. But the market is extremely hot. And if you take that comment from this person from Miami Springs, that things are back to, you know, the the height of the real estate market in terms of activity and buzz and, you know, people trying to beat each other out for properties. So. Yeah, yeah. But 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 Oscar, though, and I mean, I've been looking at the stats and it's not showing in the condo side. That that's a single family house uh, phenomenon. Okay. Oh, no, that's, that's what I'm it. talking about. Single family homes. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But that's an that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting point because uh, that goes to Ilya's question here. Uh, he he brings up the point that you know we had a flow of people coming from up north, and they when they had a problem May, between May and June. Yep. He asks, "Are we going to have a problem with people scared of coming in due to number of infections and which means less sales?" Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he could see it as well, by the way. He mentions also this is for condos, the secondary market, not so much the single family homes. Yeah. Right. But 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 listen though, the problem on the single family side is a lot of people who live in single family, I'd say horizontal. Okay, so the house is horizontal. A lot of those people they make their money off the vertical, which is the condo towers. If the condo towers aren't moving, if you're not selling tile, if you're not doing interior design, if you're not uh, financing, how the hell do you afford your, your horizontal, your single family? So that would be the only point I would make. So as condos go, so go the single family house market because the people living west of 95 in the houses, they're making their money somehow, some way related to the condos is my thesis. So anybody else want to add anything before we shut it down? Well, I just wanted to make one last comment um, from Ilya. He takes a shot at Oscar. You know, I have to mention that. John loves that shit. <laughs> what, what did Ilya say, John? Well, he actually names Oscar by name. So, um, <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing here. It's who gives it a rat's ass about Ocean Drive? Um, it's just a symbol. A canary in the coal mine or a red herring. More infectious with no tourism. It's that simple. And that was a fantastic podcast. Thanks, guys, for, t- for participating. We have Oscar Musabai of Influence Communication. He's a partner there. We have uh, Jean Gruss. He has his own public relations, a consulting firm called the Gruss Communications. And then we have John Fackler, who is a private consultant as well. And I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you have any questions, you have any tips, you have any suggestions, send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y. And check in on Thursday. We're going to have a guest interview. And the following Tuesday, we will have another one of these roundtables giving you our take and our perspective. And we'll try not to talk politics, assuming we can keep Oscar under control. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch up with you next week. Ciao, ciao.